Welcome to Streaming with Two Dudes, where we sit down weekly to talk to you about all things streaming. Each week, we break down some of the best series, songs, movies, and shows. I'm One Dude Parker. And I'm Dude Number Two, Jeff. And dudes, this week we're talking about Cobra Kai Seasons 3 and 4. But Jeff, uh, is there anything else you've been streaming besides uh, Cobra Kai this week? So I believe it was last weekend. Wife and I started to catch a couple of movies. We were kind of in the midst of fighting COVID. So just look for stuff to watch past the time. She's usually a reader, so we don't watch a lot of movies together. So, of course, we were always big fans of Pitch Perfect, especially the character of Fat Amy. Uh, so when we noticed that she was in a movie on Netflix called Senior Year, trailer looked pretty good. So we decided to check it out. And unfortunately, that's about two hours. We will never get back. <laughs> <laughs> Not great. So I, I don't know. It just it had potential, but I don't know. It just did. and then there could be other people that really liked it or will like it. It it didn't do a lot for it. It just came off as more stupid and just a little over the top. It kind of had a nice finishing touch. I think if they'd have put the same effort in the first eighty percent of the movie that they did the last twenty percent, it probably overall would have been much better. But so yeah, we we kind of struck out there. And I don't even remember the other one my wife selected. It it was it was just awful. And I think it ended up being a foreign film. I mean, it was voiced in English, but I don't know. It, it was it was just weird as well. So yeah, we struck out pretty bad as far as streaming um this past week. How about you? Um, I have been watching the untold stories on on Netflix. They're really interesting. They're like these short little miniature documentaries. I think they're all pretty much involving in sports or in some way. And the one that covers Mantateo and like his whole saga about the girlfriend and getting catfished, that one is a two-parter and I highly recommend it. That one is great. Other than that, I've just been streaming like comfort shows in the background while I uh, do things around the house or just play on my phone. Basically, uh, which, you know, actually one of my comfort shows is Psych and not one but two characters from Cobra Kai have shown up in it in the past week that I've been watching it Daniel and Johnny both are in it Daniel plays he's came up twice in it in two different parts and Johnny I just saw him the other night he plays a gym teacher that literally has the same energy as as Johnny and um he's just kind of like you know the alpha male asshole and it's it's pretty great it was great seeing those both of them show up it kind of makes you wonder how much their paths have crossed since the days of Karate Kid. Right, right. I mean, I'm sure that they, I'm sure that like they've just been linked together. Like they've had to go to like, I'm sure so many conventions and things like they've, I'm sure they've remained friends. Like I've got to do more research on it for sure, but there's no way that they haven't at least remained somewhat friends like over the course of all of this because just between the conventions and, you know, guest appearances on shows like that, like I'm sure, which they, they weren't in the same episode. But speaking of streaming, we uh, we are now in the business ourselves. Uh, we completed our first podcast last week. Thank you so much for everybody that tuned in and checked that out. It feels kind of crazy. Um, We actually, we didn't really discuss it last week, but we actually recorded the podcast in two separate, um, into two separate times. The first half we did on one weekend, and then we were going to record the second half during the next week. And Jeff, we talked about my COVID story with Cobra Kai. So now you have one of your own. Why did it take us a little bit longer to record the second half of the first episode? Well, I mean, 
you know, we've we've been fortunate. We've avoided COVID in our house for guess what the first two and a half years. And uh of course I get to blame it on my wife. You know, she got it first and um and then passed it along to me a couple of days later. And uh it was funny going back listening to our our first podcast. I noticed the second half, you know, going over season two, I was like, Man, my voice sounds really deep and nice and raspy. And I'm like, why did it change so much? And then I remembered that <laughs> I'd already was was fighting the COVID symptoms uh, yep. come that that second episode. But you know what? I knew in I summoned the spirit of Johnny and Cobra Kai, and I was like, <laughs> COVID does not exist in this dojo. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So the show must go on, and uh, so here we are, ready to tackle season three here soon. Yes, let's do it. Let's do it. If you want to begin, uh, just go ahead and jump right into uh, season three where we left off last week. Sure. And for those, uh, again, as Parker mentioned earlier, uh, thank you guys so much for those that tuned in for our very first podcast. Uh, we're, we're all on this journey together, something very new for Parker and I. And uh, if, if you did stick it out for the entire first episode you probably felt like you were watching the last episode or two of stranger things because it was quite a marathon <laughs> we'll make changes as we go along uh, of course right now we're, we're trying to deal with entire seasons eventually as uh, as new content comes out we'll we'll be dealing with more you know an episode or two uh, per podcast and dive deeper into the discussion mm -hmm. of things and maybe not so much on the recap but, uh, but yeah, let's, uh, I'm going to give you a very brief recap on uh, Season 3. And so in Season 3 of Cobra Kai, everyone is still reeling from the massive school fight in the Season 2 finale. Sam begins suffering from PTSD due to her fight with Tori. Miguel is told he may never walk again, and Robbie is on the run. And so Johnny and Daniel temporarily put their differences aside to find Robbie who Daniel turns into the authorities in the hopes of earning him a lesser sentence. Robbie feels betrayed by Daniel and now feels resentful of both Daniel and Johnny. In the aftermath of the school fight, Daniel has shut down Miyagi-Do and his car dealership isn't doing so well. A rival businessman makes an exclusive deal with Japanese car importer Doyana that will put Daniel out of business. So Daniel travels to Tokyo to try to negotiate a deal, but ultimately fails. Dejected, Daniel decides to go to Miss Miyagi's hometown of Okinawa, as seen in the Karate Kid Part 2, and reconnects with his own flame, Kumiko, and his former rival, Chosen. They both inspire and reinvigorate Daniel, and to top it all off, Daniel meets Yuna, the vice president of sales for Diona, who just so happened to be the young girl he saved from a typhoon in Karate Kid 2. Yuna allows Daniel's dealership to remain partnered with Doyona. And so Daniel returns to America re-inspired and with his business saved. And after talking to his daughter, Sam, about the trauma she was suffering after her fight with Tori, Daniel imparts some wisdom on his daughter and decides to reopen Miyagi-Do. Meanwhile, Johnny stays by Miguel's side and helps train and rehabilitate him, eventually helping Miguel to, to walk again. This brings him back closer to Miguel's mother, Carmen. How'd you like his uh, tactic? Like him, you know... Using the nudie mags to get him out of the chair on the fishing yeah. on the fish. It <laughs> was it a fishing pole? Did he use a fishing pole? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, fishing pole and with fishing line on it. So yeah, <laughs> just classic Johnny setting uh, him on fire. And of course, you know, I think his mom had hired some new age mm -hmm. type certified physician to help. And of course, Johnny's not up on the current trends and decides to go with his old school methods that aren't really working but he, he does eventually find a little success yeah i mean it it worked <laughs> he stands up he gets him standing up eventually so just as johnny's starting to reconnect with uh carmen old high school girlfriend Allie finally makes her 
appearance on the show and she's back in town and they reconnect and this she inspires johnny to stay on his path of redemption of course that's easier said than done because as we know john crease has now fully taken over the cobra kai dojo and further poisons the minds of his students crease begins bringing in new members to join cobra kai mostly athletic bullies and kicks out anyone who objects to his ruthless methods. So throughout the season, the members of Cobra Kai, led by Hawk and Tori, continue to violently antagonize the former students of Miyagi-Do. This eventually leads to Hawk breaking the arm of his former best friend, Dimitri. Further bolstering Cobra Kai is the addition of Robbie. So before we move on from that, what, what was your thoughts on that scene with uh, Hawk and Dimitri and Hawk ultimately breaking Dimitri's arm? Oh, man, it was... It was heartbreaking. Um, I mean, you knew, you know, you you knew they were best friends. Watching it the first time and not really knowing Hawk's full progression, oh, I hated him. I hated him so much. I hated him more for breaking for breaking Dimitri's arm. I, then I hated Robbie for what he did to Miguel. That was that was probably the the angriest I've been in the entire show at any given character. What about you? Yeah, I would agree. Uh, we talked previously on the last podcast about kind of like shocking moments. And the first one we'd mentioned was when Dimitri attempted to join, rejoin Cobra Kai and ran into Crease, and Crease just, I mean, just beats them up big time. Mm-hmm. And we were just like, just kind of taken back. Like, wow, that's, that's kind of messed up. Yeah. And, and then, like you said, in this case, you know, former best friends, Obviously, Hawks kind of manifested into the role of the ultimate Cobra Kai bully, but still has past friendships. Of course, he's at odds with Dimitri since they're in rival dojos. And in that moment, you're just like, there's no way. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it just kind of took it to the next level. But we do notice there for a moment, if you remember that scene, of course, all his Cobra Kai cohorts are, you know, egging him on to, to do it. You see that look in Hawks' face. Yeah, you can tell he doesn't really want to do it, but exactly. But he feels like being the leader, he 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 can't back off now, and he goes through with it. But and we've talked about his character before. It's it's you feel it just building up until he kind of returns full circle. Yeah, because you're rooting for him big time early on when he gets his confidence, and uh, but then he starts to sway to the evil side and, and just really become the exact person that he didn't want to become. Mm-hmm. But you see it being set up for it to come full circle. And then that was just a quick glimpse. I mean, he still obviously went through with it. And like I said, it was heartbreaking. It's, uh, I, I would agree. I, I was more mad about that than the whole Robbie Miguel scene. Yeah. I, mean, I think one, they weren't friends. Mm-hmm. And it was just kind of a heat of a moment type deal. Uh, right. Exactly. It was, it came from more of an, of an act of anger and like, you know, I was talking about how we got to see Robbie. It, it, this is one instance where it really helps to, you know, understand the character and why you're not as angry at Robbie is because you understand why he may have, you know, that quick reaction to it. Whereas Hawk, and you can see it in his face that he doesn't want to do it, but he still does it. Whereas Robbie, has, you know, does does his action, realizes what he's done and goes into hiding. Two, two totally different reactions to, which is honestly not even as, you know, breaking somebody's arm versus throwing them off of a second story balcony onto a, you know, a, onto a railing is way more violent, you know, of an act than, you know, breaking somebody's arm. But it's much more of a personal thing to, 
break somebody's arm and to do that and to somebody that you once cared about and considered, you know, such a close friend and probably your only friend at what for most of, you know, what we understood to be most of their childhood. Yeah. And it's also important to note that the fight between Robbie and Miguel, especially the way it ended, it wasn't intentional there at the end. Now, obviously he purposely meant to kick him, right? but there was no intent as far as the end result and Miguel falling like he did and, and injuring mm-hmm. himself to the severity, which obviously with, with Hawk and Dimitri, there, there was full intention. He had a, a few seconds to really think about what he was getting ready to do. Mm-hmm. But, you know, from Hawk's perspective, there's a lot of pressure on him, you know, being the leader of Cobra Kai comes with a lot of responsibility. Now it's evil responsibility, but responsibility nonetheless. Right. And I'm sure he's struggling with, he's worked so hard to obtain that power and he's wanted it his entire life. You know, just everything he struggled with and being the recipient of of all the bullying. So he doesn't want to give that up very easily. So he's got this inner war going on that he knows he doesn't like what he's turned into, but he's afraid of what, he might go back to if he lets exactly. go of it. And we've talked about before, we love his character and just the way the writers have handled his character. It's just um, one of my favorite storylines for sure. Um, mm-hmm. Along along with Tori as well, which we'll talk more about here soon. Yeah, I agree. I, I would say that he's definitely been one of the most interesting, even though I haven't, the first watch, I didn't like him. There were part, parts where I hated him. He's definitely been one of the most interesting story arcs of the entire show, for sure. Just the way they've, like you said, the way the writers, writers have handled him. Just great character. And, and honestly, if I hate you, you're doing a good job. You're, yeah. The writers are doing what you're supposed to do, which is exactly. to create a good villain. If mm-hmm. I find your character annoying, then mm-hmm. that, that's different. That just, I, I have no use for that character if I find that character annoying. Yeah. And unless they progress that character and, you know, there's some kind of redemption or something like that. All right. So let's move along. So Cobra Kai is on the rise. And to make things even better for them, they add Robbie uh, to their list of students who is fresh out of juvie and and harboring a lot of bitterness and anger towards Johnny and Daniel uh, for because in his eyes they portrayed him. Johnny then starts his own dojo, Eagle Fang Karate with Miguel as his first student. (laughs) Really cool name there. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) When Miguel and Sam rekindle their relationship, they also strike up an alliance between Eagle Fang and Miyagi-Do in order to take down Cobra Kai, figuring Two dojos are better than one, so they figured they might need to team up to have any chance of taking down Cobra Kai. However, when Cobra Kai attacks the newly formed alliance at Daniel LaRusso's house, Sam conquers her fears and defeats Tori in a brawl that they have with one another, while Hawk finally has a change of heart and joins his old friends in defeating the bullies. Now, of course, I'm going to pause right there because uh, we both love Hawk and we've been talking about it. You feel the way the story has progressed and just watching Hawk's character that there was, it's just building up to this moment mm-hmm. and that, that moment. Now, of course, Hawk busting up in there with his Cobra Kai buddies into the LaRusso house with full intention to, to take down these now newly aligned dojos. But I guess about halfway through the fight, the scene is set up to where two of his Cobra Kai teammates uh, have Dimitri locked up, holding them. And I don't know what Hawk's probably what about 50 feet away. And yeah. 
it's like, come on, man, here's your chance to get them again. And we see Hawk take off running. And of course, you know, for those that have seen it, I'm sure most of our listeners have at this point, that that's when he turns. Yeah. What, what, what were your feelings in that moment? Oh, man, I loved it. That was probably that was the moment that my hatred turned into like, yes, like I, <laughs> you know, first time I watched it, like I said, I had COVID. It probably threw me into a coughing fit from from jumping up in that moment and getting excited. It was great, man. Uh, very, you, you, you love to see it. It's just, it's the beginning of his redemption, which I mean, you know, you see it kind of not really understand his place after this, but it's the beginning of putting him on a path of where he needs to be to become both what he wants and the person that he is, which is a more full version of Hawk that we see towards, you know, more towards the end of season four but we'll get into that yeah it's definitely in that moment all is forgiven when it comes to hawk and, and everything he's done up to that point because you, you can't help but love his character but throughout the whole process you're just wanting him to use this newfound strength and confidence for good and instead mm-hmm. of giving giving into the anger and, and the evil that comes with that so yeah probably one of even through the four seasons probably one of the top three rewarding moments the show has offered up to that point. yeah yeah, I loved it. All right, so from there, uh, again, as we pointed out, uh, Hawk has finally turned on Cobra Kai, and he actually ends up helping his old friends that are now in Miyagi-Do and Eagle Fang to defeat Cobra Kai. And after learning of the Cobra Kai's assault on the LaRusso house, Johnny and Daniel confront Kreese. Of course, now, Kreese has Robbie fully on his side. He is fully turned to the dark side. Uh, as as he's done with so many characters, he struck at the most opportune time uh, with, with Robbie having some strong anger and resentment, feeling betrayed by Daniel and Robbie. So he swoops in and kind of gets them on his team. It's so, a real Kylo Ren situation. Oh, exactly. I, I was actually, <laughs> I, I had some Star Wars things going through my head during that whole time. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what it was. And it's funny that, that you say you did the same thing because. Like, I didn't feel it the whole time I've been watching it. But once Kree started taking in Robbie and, and going into that, that's, I'm like, why am I getting Star Wars vibes so strong? And then, you know, I'm finally starting to, like, you know, piece it together. And I'm like, this is this is crazy that I'm just now getting to this point where I'm like, I'm I'm starting, I'm starting to get some major Star Wars vibes. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, so Kreese eventually agrees to leave if Cobra Kai lost the upcoming All-Valley Tournament. And then makes a call to his old pal, which they don't technically reveal it, but we pretty much know who he reaches out to, don't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah. His, his old buddy, Terry Silver, one of his war buddies from that made an appearance in Karate Kid Part 3. Um, so Johnny and Daniel put aside their differences at this point and decide to merge their dojos, uh, which basically the, the students have kind of already done. So now it's just become more organized and formal. I'm figuring they need to join up to have any chance to defeat Cobra Kai. Which, you know, usually like the whole show is gone. The kids are the first ones to get on board. And then the senseis are usually following up, you know, last usually the last ones on board with the plans if or as flawed as the the high school kids are um their senseis are even more flawed so yeah you're right they they, <laughs> yeah. they tend to have to lead the way so you know they have to decide to work as co-senseis to train their students to take down cobra kai once and for all so we know kind of as the season ends going into the next season we're like oh this is this is going to be good to see how to see how that plays out as far as them joining forces, knowing their their history, how different they are. And so it definitely makes you set up to be excited for what season four is going to bring. Mm-hmm. 
I will point out one interesting tidbit there that we mentioned as far as him reaching out to Terry Silver. And I actually just learned this last night. So Parker hadn't even shared this little bit of, of a nugget with you yet. But Terry Silver was never supposed to be a thing in Karate Kid Part 3. Really? The entire basis of Karate Kid 3 was supposed to be centered around John Kreese's character. So he was going to be the one that, I guess, brought in Mike Barnes and started training Daniel when Daniel was in a vulnerable state with Mr. Miyagi. So that that whole twist in the storyline was never supposed to happen. But Martin Cove, who plays John Kreese, uh, has some other, I guess, commitments or some other shows and movies. I don't exactly understand how that played out because he very much wanted to be a part of Karate Kid 3. Mm -hmm. And I think I think he made some brief appearances, but just I don't know if it was con contractual issues or there might even been some kind of writer strike or whatever it was, he wasn't able to be a central character. So the writers had to ch change it up a bit to where Terry Silver was brought in. Oh, cool. So I was just looking, um, looking up some trivia to share with you. So just some interesting tidbits since we're on, you know, covering three seasons, three and four, the show was actually renewed for a fourth season before the third season was even released, which is really interesting because, you know, kind of how the season, you, you it feels more like a to be continued situation than it does you know like like it like it hasn't really felt like the other two seasons where something big has happened which i mean you can feel it feel it built feel it building up to something at the end of season three so it's really nice to to know they already knew going into season three you know that they already had a fourth season to work with and just to go back on one of what we were talking about earlier in real life ralph macchio and williams uh zabka became friends after the original karate kid film and Machio has even said that they became even closer friends after Pat Mori uh, Pat Morita, who played Mr. Miyagi, passed away in 2005. So they actually, you know, were friends. And, you know, upon the passing of Mr. Miyagi became even closer friends. So that's really that's really cool. Yeah, we talked about before on our last podcast how the way this series started was obviously on YouTube for seasons one and two. Right. And and YouTube was kind of moving. They never really got heavy into creating content. Um, they kind of dabbled their toes in it. And I guess at this point, I already decided that that wasn't the direction they were going to go. So the opportunity presented itself. Netflix, extremely smart and brilliant. Uh, jumped on it um, because I mean there was a lot of hype you know with it just being on YouTube but just they weren't really reaching the masses um, just to the limited number number of viewers and subscribers but once it jumped on Netflix and they you know put the first two seasons on there then then yeah I mean the hype and just the attention ramped up massively so yeah it doesn't surprise me at all that season four got renewed before even season three hit that's pretty cool so according to uh Jacob Bertrand, who plays Hawk, the mohawk takes approximately an hour to apply, while the back tattoo only takes about 25 minutes to get done. Wow. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but Cobra Kai is actually the first time that Terry Silver and Johnny Lawrence share scenes together. Well, I mean, yeah, I guess that makes sense because, I mean, Johnny had nothing to do after Karate Kid 1, um, unless there was like any flashback scenes they showed. Yeah. So yeah, I guess that makes sense when you think about it. All right. So let's uh, let's dive into some of season three. Let's let's discuss Johnny's character. Obviously, he's the focal point of the show. Mm -hmm. um, let's discuss him as we see him yet in another downward spiral at the beginning of season three. I mean, yeah, he's just picking up his downward spiral where he left off last season. You know, when he was distraught on the beach, some things you know help him turn around, such as you know deciding to you know be there for Miguel. Um, helping Miguel gets him motivated to get out of his funk. And then, of course, 
Allie. Allie is a big motivator in getting him back up on his feet and getting him back into his Johnny ways, which, you know, that scene where they go out to dinner is great. Another great Amanda scene. Love her. It, it was really good to see him, you know, get back up on his feet and rebound. You know, you, we've come come to like really care for Johnny and it's it's good to see him get back up on his feet and not continue to spiral the way he probably would have in the past before season one and before he got back into Cobra Kai. For sure. We definitely see his character evolving and maturing and progressing. Uh, we discussed last podcast how, how dejected and demoralizing the events of season two had to be because he made so many positive strides made and did all the right things in his mind. And yeah, everything just blows up at the end, probably brings him to the lowest point in his life. So while it could be easy to get maybe annoyed or discouraged when he has these Daryl spirals, we see in season three that the, yeah, he has that little moment, but he bounces back a lot more quicker than he has in the past. And and I'm glad the writers approach it this way because obviously he has a, a, a lifetime of, of issues that he's had to deal with. Uh, he obviously struggles with, with alcohol and just events that happened in his upbringing. And those aren't going to go away overnight over a couple of seasons or right. a couple of episodes. Um, but you, you see, you still see him progressing and, and, and all through season three, we see how committed he is to helping Miguel, how committed he is to making things right with Robbie. Um, and he's kind of obviously stuck in a tough spot trying to support both of them, um, but they're both very important to him. So he, he's trying to navigate through that on what it, that's supposed to look like because Miguel's pretty much like a son to him. So, right. and they're they're polar opposites. So he's trying to navigate what that's supposed to look like. But obviously, he's still a very flawed character. But that that just kind of brings the realness of life uh, into the show. So it, it's been really neat to kind of see his progression over these few seasons. Yeah. So staying on the topic of relationships, we we see Miguel feeling betrayed by Johnny um, because of the physical health uh, situation that he's in. And he, he kind of blames Johnny on that because in that moment, he decided to show mercy, which was kind of Johnny's new teaching. And he feels like he paid the price for it. So he's feeling betrayed by Johnny. And Robbie's also feeling betrayed by Daniel um, because Daniel's obviously the one that, that turned him in and for, for him to have to go to juvenile detention. So when we see this, let, let's speak on this in regards to, to real life matters and the challenges of relationships, especially in mentorships or, or parenting. We, we've both been in the parenting game and still are, as well as um, we, we both have areas of our life where we've been in mentoring roles right. so, so speak on that as far as what you see in cobra kai and and the challenges that the it kind of relates to you in real life wow we're getting deep on this one. Um, oh yeah that's what this podcast <laughs> is about you know we, we like to go deep on some of these matters i think you know it, when it comes to the senseis and their relationships with their students for both cobra kai or for um excuse me for both johnny and for daniel i think it shows that they care about their students, whether it be their actual kids or, you know, the kids that they've been mentoring. They always think that they're doing the best for them in that moment. And I think, you know, as, peop as, as people that have been in those roles, whether it be, you know, parenting, um, mentoring, teaching, uh, any kind of role where you've, you're, you're in that mentoring role, I think you can relate to that where you even though you don't always get it right, you're doing the best you can for what you think is in that, for that situation. And what makes us as viewers love both of them so much is that 
we learn, you know, we could see them even when they make mistakes, they, you know, take a step back, reevaluate the situation and eventually overcome those obstacles and adapt to them and make better decisions in the future, you know, and, you know, you see the, the betrayal on, on both sides where you feel like you've, you know, done the wrong thing or taught the wrong way or, you know, made the wrong steps. And, you know, that's a, a big part of it, you know, is no one has anything figured out. And if they do, they're lying. Yeah. I really like how the show, when, when they address the relationships as far as parenting or, or mentoring, that they do a good job of showing, uh, I like the popular saying, it's not all rainbows and puppy toes mm-hmm. because, and, and they show it from both angles from not only the child or the younger person, but the mentor and, you know, the parent, because we see with, uh, let's take Miguel and Johnny, um, the whole betrayal is is based off the fact of, of Johnny changing his teachings, knowing that in the long run, he, he saw Miguel going down the same path as him. And he, he knew mercy in, in the way it should be taught was the direction he needed to go. Right. So Johnny was absolutely right in, in taking that approach with Miguel. But what we see often in life and, and young people are just like adults in the fact that we want instant results, instant gratification. Mm-hmm. And as far as Miguel saw it, he took Johnny's teaching and mercy and he immediately paid the price in a negative way. So the only thing adults are a little bit different in in young people is is while we may still want instant gratification, as an adult, you have more life experiences and therefore you have more wisdom to know that that's not the way it's always going to play out, that it's right. always uh, the long game. So obviously, this new teaching of Johnny and showing mercy is going to pay huge dividends for Miguel. Just in the same way with uh, Robbie and Daniel, I mean, Daniel had Robbie's best interest at heart when he was setting him up to be turned in. Because if Robbie continues to run, I mean, he, he could be facing several years um, and, and mm. getting to even far more trouble. And of mm-hmm. course, Robbie, being the younger person, he's not going to see it that way. He just sees the betrayal. And and, and we, we deal with the same things as far as whether we're parenting or, or trying to mentor a younger person is, is challenging because you, you're doing things that you feel like or that you know is going to help them in the long run. But they're not going to see it that way. And and that's always going to have a risk of causing conflict or, or issues in that relationship, just because what you're trying to do for them, they're not going to instantly see the benefits of that. Yeah. It's important to, you know, instill those lessons for those long runs. Yeah. Because I mean, you don't see it near as much now, but you know, definitely TV in the early days, you know, these situations would be handled where the parent or the mentor teaches the lesson and the the child re, the recipient of it is like oh thanks you know and everything's just hunky-dory after that everything's just mm-hmm. perfect they they heard the advice they took it and it worked out exactly how they wanted but yep. that's not real that's not real life so <laughs> i like how Kerber kai shows the the challenging and and the messy side of mentoring and advice and just sharing life together yeah it's not all cleaned up in, you know, 30 minutes. Like, but you know what I learned today? <laughs> you know, like at the end of every episode. Yeah. Uh, all right. So uh, we m- mentioned Tori a little bit earlier. Um, in the same way, Crease kind of swooped in in the opportune time with Robbie. He does the same thing with Tori as she's having a lot of issues at home and, and, and having some challenges with the landlord there. So Crease kind of steps in, takes care of the landlord problem uh, in, in, in only the Crease way that we've seen uh, over this series and throughout the movies. So does Crease 
have some good in them, or is there always an ulterior motive with him? I'm not convinced he's good at all. Um, every time we've seen him do anything good, you always find out there's some sort of ulterior motive. There's never been anything that hasn't had some sort of benefit decrease at the end of it. Uh, so I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced he's good. I think some good things happen because of his decisions sometimes, but I don't think that is his end goal. I think it's, I think, you know, how sometimes people will tell you, you know, sometimes you have to do some bad to create some good in the world. I think for him, it's the opposite. Um, I think for him, he's like, you know, sometimes you got to do good things to get really what you want. And I don't think his heart is in the good thing. I think it's the the, the outcome every time. Totally agree. I, for me, when I think of, is there good in that person? To me, good is more about doing stuff for others and expecting nothing in return. Yeah. The, your your interest and your concern is solely for that other person and, and you can't you, you have zero care about what comes back your way and obviously in the situation with tori he knows he needs tori on cobra kai to advance his ultimate goal correct and i think that's motivating him intervening intervening and, and helping tori out but on the flip side what really benefits him is when he does all these quote unquote and I'm doing air quotes, even though this is just a podcast that people hear. But uh, <laughs> when he's doing these good things, it creates loyalty. I mean, loyalty to a fault. I, it's almost like it's all part of the whole brainwashing thing. Oh, yeah. Um, because he's helping to meet physical needs in, in a lot of these kids. And that goes a long way with them. Yeah, basic manipulation 101 for sure. All right, so let's, let's move right along. What are your thoughts on we see in season three where Daniel returns to Japan and eventually Okinawa and we're reintroduced to some uh, old Karate Kid 2 movie characters? What are your thoughts on that? And is it possible the show is reaching a little too hard and too much for the nostalgia factor? Well, for me personally, I have almost zero nostalgia for this setting or these characters. As previously mentioned, I think I've watched two and three maybe once or twice each. So I really honestly didn't have too much nostalgia for me. So for me, it didn't feel like reaching. I actually enjoyed the change of setting. For me, it was nice to see some of Daniel's backstory and actually kind of hit some of those spots and understand why he, you know, wanted to go back to, you know, Okinawa and visit those. And as somebody that wasn't too familiar with two and three, seeing him go back and be in those situations helps understand a little bit more of his character and it's kind of nice to see these characters even though i have no frame of reference for them outside of you know just being like oh yeah i, I kind of remember this it's nice to be like oh this is cool with that being said it's nice that he didn't spend very much time in there it was only maybe what an episode at the most so it was nice touching on it but not you know indulging in it either yeah so i mean it's probably good that we we've got two different backgrounds i mean since i've got maybe just a few years on you i've probably got a little bit more of a personal attachment to the karate kid movies um having yeah. grown up in the 80s uh so from my take i can see where some people thought maybe they were reaching a little too much for kind of capitalizing on the nostalgia but at the same time i think they do such a good job in incorporating it into the story and advancing the story mm -hmm. so it never seems out of place everything that happened over there fit into the story well so it wasn't it didn't come across as like you know really did you just had to find a way to 
incorporate some of the Karate Kid Part Two characters in here. It it all fit really well, and like you mentioned, they didn't spend too much time on it. It, it kind of served its purpose into the story, but at the same time, kind of a throwback to the fans being able to enjoy. Uh, seeing some of the Karate Kid 2 characters. So what are your feelings on how season three handled the topic of mental health? Uh, More specifically with Sam's character, as we know, she faced some big time anxiety and panic attacks just from her experiences and run-ins with Tori. I think it handled them, you know, pretty well. I don't have anything that severe that I can relate to that would be that paralyzing. So I can't really comment on how accurate her portrayal of it was but as far as how debilitating that can be for somebody um and how triggering i think they handled that pretty well i don't think they shied away from it or um i don't think they breezed past it at all either i think uh i think it was smart to handle it and kind of shows how like someone reacts to trauma yeah i was definitely glad they they tackled the topic is you know mental health is one of those areas where society over the years we're seeing that it's becoming less and less taboo so i really feel like moving in the right direction so i was definitely glad they they tackled the topic i guess i'm somewhat have some mixed feelings just because i know it's challenging when you tackle such a heavy topic like this when the show is not centered around it you have a limited amount of time you can spend with it When that happens, you always run the risk of possibly oversimplifying the issue. Mm -hmm. So I know they had to teeter that line very carefully. Um, Again, I'm glad they dealt with it. I I do think a little bit that maybe the whole situation was a little oversimplified. She she has the trouble a good bit throughout season three. She does eventually talk to her parents some about it, especially Daniel and kind of Daniel reverts back to his experience with it and how Mr. Miyagi helped and, it's like she had that one moment um, in the finale with her encounter with Tori that she kind of had a little flashback of uh, what Daniel had told her about Mr. Miyagi. And it's like, boom, her it, it was cured. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, if anything, some of the younger viewers of the show, maybe it'll help kids, maybe encourage them to open up some to their parents if they're dealing yeah. with anything like that. Um, so I think only something positive will come out of it. Yeah. So season three, we see a lot of time spent um, with the backstory of two characters, one being John Kreese and the other one being Tori. Um, what What did you think about the time and the way they handled um, addressing those backstories? Um, I think for Kreese, kind of give you a little bit more insight into maybe why he is the way he is, which doesn't really give you any more sympathy for the character, which I, I do like the way that they handle it. Like you, you, you understand him, but you, they don't make him a, or a sympathetic character, which I think is what they're ultimately going for. Right? Cause I think that ultimately he is going to be the big bad in some, some way. And we'll get a little bit more into to his arc in season four and the possibilities of it. But I don't think we're supposed to be sympathizing with him through his backstory. Whereas Tori, on the other hand, I think it's the opposite. I think we're supposed to be more sympathetic towards her and get more you know, involved in her character. And I think that they're priming her for the opposite story arc. I might be on the minority here. I was not a huge fan with all the time they spent on Crease's backstory, but for a different reason. I think it was necessary. I, I do love the fact that you you get a good backstory on Crease. Like you said, doesn't necessarily create sympathy for him, but you do get a better understanding. Here's my gripe. 
to me, if your season is 10 episodes and only about 30 minutes per episode, it makes it very difficult, in my opinion, for the viewers when you spend that amount of time on a backstory. Um, because while you are developing the character and, and making important strides, you're not advancing the story. And that's just me. And of course, in a, in a good way, it's a good gripe because I enjoy the show so much that that's my complaint about the show is it's only, you know, 10 episodes at about 30 minutes. Uh, to me, if if each episode was an hour or a little hour and 15 minutes, then fine. Spend as much time as you need to on the backstory. But if you're only going to put out 30-minute episodes, <laughs> yeah. then I almost feel like you have to forfeit a little bit of time that you spend on the, the backstory. But as far as Tori, I thought it was the perfect amount of time that they spent. They didn't spend as much time with hers as they did Crease. I mean, there's not as much history there, obviously, to go over. Yeah, um, she's a little bit younger. Yeah. and um, But yeah, I, I think it was great. I mean, you follow along with Tori's character anyway mm-hmm. in season two. So just getting more of her backstory in season three just really gives you an even more clear understanding of her background and maybe what makes her and and why she reacts in the way she does in certain situations. I absolutely agree. I do think that I do think that they've they used season three as a more character building season for it. Um just like we were talking or well, like we were talking about earlier, nothing really progresses uh very far in season three. And I think I think, you know, Crease's backstory speaking upon it, I think, you know, that is a big part of it because, I mean, they do spend for a character that wasn't introduced until the end of the first season. They do spend a lot of the third season on his back on his backstory. I don't think they spent any other time on backstory, including Daniel or Johnny. They like other than just telling stories, they don't show very much at all. And they've shown Johnny's. They shown Johnny's, you know, backstory a little bit, but that was just as much as Crease's backstory as it was his then. So I, I, I don't know why they're spending so much time telling Crease's story. I'm with you on that, but I do think that they viewed season three overall as a buildup more so, like getting everything prepped for, you know, what's to come in the future, which, you know, season four, which was what we're going to talk about here in a little bit. And where I think, you know, season five might be headed towards. Season three, finally. I don't think we've ever had a character in any show ever in the history of streaming in which characters have been talked about so much and it took so long to make an appearance. And I'm talking about Allie. She was referenced in season one, heavily talked about in season two, and then it was really ramped up, you know, earlier in season three when her and Johnny were exchanging messages and he went through that whole funny spiel with Miguel and trying to come mm-hmm. up with pictures and Miguel trying to tell him, you know, how you're supposed to respond to somebody when they send you a message. Cause Johnny had this novel written out. Yeah. Ends up being episode nine when she finally makes her appearance, she comes home for the holidays. Um, and then she ends up hanging out with Johnny and then um, all of them end up at the, the original country club where it all went down in the karate kid movie. So here's a couple of thoughts for what exactly did you think about her appearance and the role she played in Cobra Kai? I think ultimately she really wasn't important. Uh, I think, I mean, you know, she definitely helped Johnny kind of just have a good time and she gave him some good advice toward the end of their date. But 
for the most part, I think it was mostly just fan service, but it it wasn't bad fan service. I think it was handled really well. I think I think Elizabeth Shue is just great in general. I love her in lots of things, and she's probably the actor slash actress that I'm actually the most familiar with outside of the Karate Kid because I've seen her in just so many different things growing up. It's definitely another area I had I had some mixed feelings about it. Part of me felt like I was really wanting her to play a very important role, like a very key figure in the way the story changed and then progressed with her being a part of it. But then there was another side of me when I was thinking like, what are they going to do with her character? I really don't want them to use her to like split up Johnny and Miguel's mom. Mm-hmm. I don't want them to use her to, to create marital strife with like, Daniel and his wife. So I wasn't really sure exactly how I wanted her to play a role. So I guess part of me was pleased that they didn't do a lot with it. Like you uh, said, it, it was it was definitely big time fan service and, and um, the fans got what they wanted. What part she did play was was really good. Uh, I really loved it. But it kind of leads me to my next thought. As far as the writers and the way they handled her, was there way too much buildup for her character to make a return with what we now know was a very limited and minor role in season three in which i mean her character really didn't advance the story at all i think i think it was pretty limited um i don't know if maybe they just weren't able to get her for more episodes or if they were just having fun with her like with the thought of it at the time and didn't really know where they were going but i do feel like the build-up was a lot more for her to just come in and like you said basically have no uh, no impact that that would be my only gripe with her character in the whole show is the build up to it. Um, if they would have just spent like three or four episodes, you know, making it seem like, you know, maybe like after him and, you know, Miguel's mom had problems, like maybe just spend like an episode or two, like him, you know, reconnecting with her. Maybe that would make it seem like more more proportional to you know the outcome of what her character ultimately does which is like i said nothing like she doesn't almost basically nothing like she does not impact like her character being there doesn't really impact the series as a whole and it i mean the only thing it impacts is really just the single episode that it's in which i mean i don't have i didn't i didn't wait you know a year between seasons so i don't really have too much of a personal complaint about it but i can see that someone waiting you know a year in between seasons would have a problem with that yeah i mean i was definitely i'm I'm in the camp to where you know i've I've been watching from the very beginning so i i've had to wait like a year or close to a year between seasons and they used her as the cliffhanger in at the end of season two right so I feel like, and she's talked about all through season one and two and and most of three before she makes her appearance. I just felt like they spent an awful lot of time building up for her not to play really much of a role. And maybe maybe that's a lesson. Uh, Maybe that is one of the bigger lessons of the show that is teaching us that no matter who they build up in the show, it doesn't matter because maybe they don't have an, an impact. You know, maybe my thoughts about Crease are completely off. And maybe this is just my first lesson in that. And maybe Crease just doesn't ever come back and he just disappears. And we spent an entire season on his story in a snake pit for no reason. Or maybe the writer shouldn't toy with our emotions, Parker. I mean, maybe, but 
they do a good job and we come back for it. So we can't really complain too much. Oh, we, do it, also, we do it to ourselves. It also poses the question. Do you see a scenario in which your character returns? At this point, at the end of season three? Or or even what we know in season four. I mean, we can get a little bit more into that after we talk about season four. Uh, but I think it's very possible that we see some characters that seem to have gone away. But I think it's very possible, especially um, when it comes to Crease. Will it be a big impact? Who knows? Um, but I do think I do think Crease in particular will return. I don't know if Allie will. I'm not 100 sold on that. Yeah, we can get a little bit. We can get a little bit more into that at the end of uh, this episode and dive a little bit more into that discussion if you want to hold off onto that yeah what about you it's actually a good question I, i'm not you know there's there's a part of me that wonders since they have spent so much time building up for her that maybe they've still got plans down the road for her. i'm having a hard time coming up with which the writers always surprises i mean it's they've done a, an incredible job so whatever they come up with will will be great i'm, I'm convinced of that just right now, I'm having a hard time picturing what her character would be used for at this point. I almost feel like she served the purpose that the writers had for her. Whether we agree with how much time they spent building her up, I, I felt like she served the purpose. I I'm not sure what else she would have to do at this point. I agree. But we we've man-crushed on this next character numerous times throughout our, our short podcast. History. Amanda... The way that whole scene developed with her, Allie, Daniel, and Johnny, you know, she she was the same when it was um, Miguel's mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, just situations where you think, oh, gosh, how is how's Amanda going to like this? You know, thinking this is Daniel's ex-girlfriend. I'm sure she's heard a lot about her. And man, she becomes her best friend instantly, and oh, just, just immediately, like, like she. That's that's what I love about Amanda, man. <laughs> like, not only is she just great with, like, it, she just does the exact opposite of what you expect, but she handles it perfectly every time. It's like before, you, before you, she handles the situation. You you expect it to play out a completely different way in your head, and then. Once it's all done, you're like, of course, Amanda would have. That's the most perfect way to handle the situation. And of course, I don't know why I doubted Amanda for a second when she just walks up and she's just like, oh, I walked into something, didn't I? And <laughs> oh man, uh, just just her delivery and her wit, and she's just man. Seriously, God, I love her. Hello. I did just happen to think of a possible common denominator with her character and, and all these scenes that we talk about where there's a potential tension and you're just wondering how is this going to play out and just her character in, in that the, the scenes just it just plays out beautifully. Yeah. But she she's always had something to drink. Yeah. And and all yeah. their scenes. And that's, <laughs> usually true. The, that's true. That's usually the first thing she mentions is get me a drink, uh, or let me get something to drink. And then so maybe that's just her. That's, that's like her superpower just just needs a little drink and then she just <laughs> yeah develops these superpowers on on how to handle people in tense situations and it just works out beautifully so we're pretty much wrapping up season three now as we've seen so far season one ends with the owl valley tournament and then but season two and three have a kind of a different twist and both of those more or less in with some kind of major brawl between the, the dojos. Uh, season two, of course, was at the school. Season three, of course, was at the LaRusso house. 
do you have a preference on how, how you like it when these end, whether it's tournament or more of the no rules all out brawl? I, I don't have a preference. I think they both serve their place in the show overall, but I think they both serve a very different environment as far as, you know, the fighting goes, obviously like the one's more chaotic and one's more controlled. Uh, so I think, I think the the more chaotic is definitely more interesting because anything can happen, you know, any given moment. Whereas the tournament style, even though you never know who could win, you do know that whoever it is is probably going to be, you know, at least giving it their all to some extent. Whereas, you know, in the event of Hawk, for instance, you know, a tournament situation wouldn't have prevent, presented a situation where, you know, he could have you know, kick to Cobra Kai in the face to save his buddy Dimitri. Um, so things like that keep that style uh, more interesting. So while I, I don't say I prefer that one, because I think the tournaments are definitely more of make more sense as far as the style of the show and where it's coming from just in, in general with Karate Kid. I think that they both are just as good, but I do think that the chaotic ones leave more room for uh, the unexpected to happen, which is more interesting. So I'm actually a little bit of the opposite. Um, while obviously you can't end every season with an all-valley tournament, so I mean that, that would get old and just uninteresting. So I, there's definitely the need for you know the seasons to end differently, whether it's an all-out brawl or just some other conflict. And so I, I definitely understand that. I guess for me personally – I guess I kind of like the tournament format just because it forces you to wonder, I wonder who, you know, gets matched up, um, mm. who will they actually have when the girls or the boys. And I don't know. I just go through all these different scenarios and matchups. Whereas when it's just an all out brawl, none of like the matchups don't really matter. Um, there is no winner per se. So the, while the all-out brawl opens up a lot of opportunities, it always restricts. It also kind of restricts some of the the thoughts that you'll have as far as you know theories that are going through your head. Right. Because I mean, going into the brawl, even at the end of season three, you're since there's no format or structure, you can't contemplate theories. You're not even thinking about. Well, I wonder what Hawk's going to do. I wonder if he's going to flip. Mm-hmm. Which made the twist more surprising and and more entertaining in a lot of ways. So yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely give and take in the different scenarios. Um, of course, once we hit season four, we'll obviously discuss that one ends with the All Valley tournament. So that that gives another topic to talk about as well. Yeah. Well, I think that pretty much wraps up season three. Uh, we'll jump in season four here and with the same format, we'll do a little recap and then kind of dive into the discussion uh, discussion will be a little bit different as um, as our listeners will know this finishes up the last season before the new season kicks in so we can possibly have some time to discuss a lot of theories and stuff at the end of season four going into season five so parker if you want to kind of jump into get us caught up on a little recap all right well season four starts out with ingle fang and miyagi do training together uh, they're, you know, getting ready to take down Cobra Kai, but Daniel and Johnny are just constantly disagreeing to, on how to prepare the students. After Carmen finds out about Johnny and Allie hanging out, she tells him that she wants to take things slowly. Kreese gets in contact with Terry Silver and invites him back to, to come back to Cobra Kai. Uh, Terry, you know, first declines, 
claiming that he has found peace with his new girlfriend, Cheyenne. Daniel proposes to Johnny that Eagle Fang should integrate into Miyagi-Do, but Johnny disagrees, causing the two to agree that the two dojos should once again split up. Kreese persuades Robbie to join Cobra Kai, and Robbie leads the other students by teaching them Miyagi-Do karate to have an advantage. Hawk initially faces resistance with the other Eagle Fang and Miyagi-Do students. However, he proposes that he and the other students build an, an Okinawan sparring deck on, on the spare land for the dojo to practice sessions. They begin to accept him. The unity between the two dojos prompts Johnny and Daniel to agree to begin to work together. Terry later contemplates returning to Cobra Kai. And then we are introduced to Kenny Payne, a new student at school. He is preparing for his first day by, uh, you know, getting himself ready. And then he gets bullied by the other students, including a Anthony LaRusso. Yes, we, Anthony. We find out, you know, is come to be quite the little prick. I, I still, I have, I have emotions about this character. We can definitely dive into him a little bit later, uh, but we'll continue on right now. Daniel and Johnny each agree to take a day of training to better each understand each other's style of training. Amanda visits Tori's work and warns her to stay away from Sam inadvertently getting her fired. Robbie and Chris continue training uh, the other Cobra Kai students in Miyagi-Do, but with their own twist on it. Kenny's classmates and Anthony trick him into cosplaying, causing him to get into a fight with them, but he runs away. Daniel's Eagle Fang training leads him into a fight with hockey players, which has one of the funniest scenes in it in this season, in my opinion. No be there. Yeah. <laughs> that was, yeah, that's uh, probably one, of, one yeah. of my favorite scenes in the entire show. So oh, far. man. I remember, I remember when I first watched it, that I remember messaging you that, and that was, that was one of the funniest, funniest moments I'd seen up to that point. Absolutely. That was great. After, uh, after learning about her home situation from Crease, Amanda decides to buy Tori some groceries, but Tori rejects, the, rejects them, leading to a confrontation at the dealership. Kenny, looking for help, looking for help from his bullies, visits his older brother Sean Payne in the juvenile detention center. Sean suggests that Kenny seek help from his formal rival and Johnny's son Robbie at Cobra Kai. Daniel and his family, including guests Johnny, Carmen, and Miguel, have dinner where they can discuss Sam and Miguel's future. Daniel and Johnny trade students so that each student gets both Miyagi-Do and Eagle Fang-style training. When Kenny visits Cobra Kai to seek help from Johnny's son, Robbie, Kreese rejects him as a student, saying that he's too weak. Carmen has trouble with her car, and Daniel offers to tow and fix it himself. Terry visits Kreese and blames her blames him for, disturb, uh, for his peace of mind. Although initially saying he was too busy, Robbie agrees to teach Kenny some karate to help defend him uh, from his bullies and advises him to use his speed as his strength. Terry reflects on early Cobra Kai days with Kreese following their time in the military together. Johnny informs Carmen that he doesn't want to take things slowly, and she agrees. Kenny visits the Cobra Kai dojo once more, feeling finally convincing Kreese to allow him to train there. Johnny gets frustrated at Daniel when he and Miguel begin to grow closer. Kenny's middle school gets a tour of the high school where he runs into Miyagi-Do and Eagle Fang students who encourage him to leave Cobra Kai. Kreese introduces his students to Terry, informing them that he will also be joining the dojo as a sensei. Carmen wants to tell Miguel about her relationship with Johnny, but he disagrees. She tells Johnny to let Miguel know when he is ready. Tori begins her new job at a children's entertainment venue. 
Robbie provides Kenny with additional one-on-one training, but they are interrupted by Terry, who inspires Robbie. Johnny contemplates how to break the news to Miguel and has flashback to a similar situation from his childhood. Daniel teaches Miguel how to drive. Amanda and Sam attend a party at the same venue where Tori works, prompting her to quit. Robbie confronts Johnny about Kenny, and the conversation quickly turns personal. When Cobra Kai, Miyagi-Do, and Eagle Fang students all attend the same drive-in theater, a fight amongst them breaks out until Miguel lures them into a trap. Terry and Kreese confront Daniel and Johnny at Miyagi Dojo. Terry attempts to apologize to a petrified Daniel who asks him and Kreese to leave, while Kreese gives shit to Johnny for playing second fiddle of Daniel. Terry informs Daniel and Johnny that Cobra Kai is imposing a fighting moratorium on their students until the All Valley Tournament. Daniel tells Johnny about his history with Terry and suggests that he take over the training of all of their students. Johnny disagrees and proposes a tournament-style fight between the two, with the first two to three points, with the first to three points taking over the training. Johnny prepares for the fight while Daniel finds a way out of it. Daniel and Sam, Johnny and Miguel, as well as Terry and Kreese, each have disagreements on the best way to train for the All Valley. The Cobra Kai students retaliate for the events that followed the drive-in theater escalation by shaving off Hawk's mohawk. Daniel and Johnny attempt to reach an agreement for the last time before fighting, but ultimately compete against each other. The fight comes to a match point that results in a tie, causing the two to split their dojos permanently, which is just genius. Genius writing at that but in, in the show, like... To have them literally hit each other at the same time and knock each other out <laughs> is just perfect. Yeah, it was definitely one of those where going into it, you're like, how are they going to handle one of them actually winning? Mm-hmm. So I, I had a hard time picturing either one of them winning. So, yeah, it was probably the smart thing to do to <laughs> basically be a tie, but them knocking each other out at the same time was, was which, hilarious. Which I think really actually, you know, just it was, it was comical, but I also think that it really kind of feeds into like the overall theme that they're going for with the show because even though you're rooting for them you know sometimes you're rooting for johnny sometimes you're rooting for daniel sometimes you're you know rooting against the other one but ultimately you're never one of them is never more right than the other one overall and i think just having them in that in a tie is just another just way to keep them equal so that one of them neither one of them is ever more right than the other one which you know is one of the main like one of the main discussions going back to just the the original karate kid movie you know there was a lot of discussion on whether or not daniel won fairly because it was an illegal kick you know and so and so there's a lot of you know like would he have won which one was the better fighter and so like it's just never even actually is resolving the original conflict that that a lot of people have had this whole time on whether or not who would actually win and it's just just genius uh in my my opinion yeah i mean pretty much all of season four i mean one of the main takeaways uh and and the fact that they tied and like you pointed out was 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 a good way to represent the entire season which is basically communicating it's not about eagle fang miyagi do there, there is no one style that's the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, both styles offer something good, and, and both can be used a, as an advantage and or and even learn some of the Cobra Kai tactics. Um, you, you hear, I think it's probably Robbie who, who, who made comments throughout the season. 
He says, you, you always think that it's Miyagi-Do or, or Eagle Fame or Cobra Kai. And he says, it, it doesn't really matter. It's just all about winning or, or doing what's necessary to defeat your opponent. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously within the rules, but, but yeah, I mean, you learn that. I mean, throughout the entire season, especially with Sam, who's really struggling to find her own identity and her own style. And, and she pretty much figures out that pulling from all these different styles is really the best way to go. Right. A nice little tidbit. This actually happens right in the middle of the season. It happens right at the end of episode five. So it's also just kind of a neat little yin, yin and yang um, to the whole to the whole show. So that brings us uh, to the All Valley board mem- uh, meeting where the members of the board argue on nearly every aspect of the tournament before finally coming to a consensus, adding a skills competition and a separate girls division. Miyagi-Do and Cobra Kai embrace the changes quickly and begin strategizing. Meanwhile, Eagle, Eagle Fang are reluctant to accept them due to a lack of female members. Tori is confronted by her aunt who wants her mother's disability checks. Tori turns to Amanda for help when she wants to re-enroll in school but needs her to agree. Following the shaving incident, a depressed hawk decides to quit karate altogether despite Dimitri's pleas to continue. Johnny and Miguel convince Piper, Moon's ex-girlfriend, to join Eagle Fang. Sam disagrees with Tori, returning to school, leading to an argument between Sam and Amanda. Sam confronts Robbie in a convenience store and fails to have him stand up to Terry. Piper joins Cobra Kai instead. Sam visits Aisha and Santa Barbara for guidance on how to deal with Tori. Following encouragement from Miguel, Johnny Johnny continues his recruitment. Hawk, going by Eli again, joins Miyagi-Do after a conversation with Dimitri. On Tori's first day back at school, Sam threatens her. I don't think she quite took uh, Aisha's advice quite the right way there. No. Um, she most definitely did not. So, uh, moving on in the locker room, Anthony steals, uh, Kenny's clothes during gym class to embarrass him. As Johnny prepares to tell Miguel about his relationship with Carmen, Miguel begins to suspect the relationship himself. Daniel finds Kenny's Cobra Kai hoodie in Anthony's room and questions him about it. Anthony lies about the hoodie and says Kenny is instigating the fights. Crease and Terry, based on a bet they made, train their students to use weaknesses in their opponents to their advantage. Carmen and Johnny finally tell Miguel about their relationship. Miyagi-Do students and Anthony begin weapons and skills training for the All-Valley. Johnny introduces the Eagle Fang students to Devin Lee, the new female member he recruited from the high school debate team. Johnny refuses to let Miguel train due to energy concerns. Daniel becomes disappointed after Anthony takes shortcuts in his training. Miguel doesn't like that Johnny began treating him differently because of his relationship with Carmen. Kenny fights off Anthony and his friends in the middle in the middle school library, leading to Anthony's suspension. Johnny later decides to let Miguel continue training. They are joined by Sam, who says she wants both Miyagi-Do and Eagle Fang training. Tensions rise between Kreese and Terry over the differences between their training styles. Stingray is released from probation and prepares to return to Cobra Kai. The students at Cobra Kai prepare, prepare for prom as Kreese and Terry train them on how to beat their opponents psychologically. Tori asks Robbie to be her prom date. Kreese rejects Stingray's request to, to rejoin the dojo. Sam and Miguel also plan on attending prom together. Shannon, Robbie's mother, tells Johnny that Terry is 
that Terry gifted Robbie a car and money. Tensions rise at prom when Sam and Miguel become distracted by Robbie and Tori. Terry proposes moving Cobra Kai to its original location. Daniel's cousin, Vanessa, a psychology student, blames Daniel and Amanda for Anthony's behavior. Terry attacks Johnny to show Crease his loyalty. Crease, however, forces Terry to let him go. Stingray hosts an after party where a fight breaks out between Sam and Miguel with Tori and Robbie. Anthony decides to try and become a better person after getting in, into trouble with Daniel for using technology while he is grounded. Johnny's injuries are tended to by Miguel. Johnny says he wants to be a father figure to him, but accidentally refers to him as Robbie, leaving Miguel heartbroken. A drunken Terry severely beats Stingray when he makes another request to rejoin Cobra Kai. So a little side note where you mentioned Daniel's cousin, Vanessa. Mm -hmm. uh, that, that, that whole thing was pretty funny. Uh, especially the way Daniel and uh, Amanda were reacting to basically the way that whole session was going. And they were basically being the ones accused of all of Anthony's issues. But yeah. uh, Vanessa is actually played by Ralph Macchio's daughter. Oh, cool. We had talked about this some, but uh, Ralph Macchio's has a son and a daughter. His daughter is named, uh, I think it's Julia um, or mm -hmm. Julie. And his son is named Daniel. Uh, and of course, as we know, the next Karate Kid, uh, which I guess was the fourth installment, you know, the main character's name is Julie. So it's like both his kids are, are named after, you know, the main like mentee characters in the Karate Kid films. So I thought that was pretty neat. That was really cool. And uh, then, if I'm not mistaken, John Kreese's son plays the young John Kreese in all the flashbacks. Oh, or, that's really cool. Or Martin Cove, who plays mm -hmm. um, Crease. Uh, I believe it's his son. It's the actor that plays the younger version of him. Oh, that's cool. All right. So Cobra Kai, Eagle Fang, and Miyagi-Do come head-to-head -head at the All-Valley Tournament. Crease and Terry, Johnny and Daniel, each give their respective students a last-minute prep talk before the skills competition begins. Cobra Kai wins the skills competition. Followed by, followed by Miyagi Do in second and Eagle Fang in sixth place. Carrie Underwood performs at the tournament before the fighting competition takes place. Eagle Fang loses the female competition when Tori beats Devin in the quarterfinals. When Daniel notices a Cobra Kai, when Daniel notices Cobra Kai students using Miyagi Do, he confronts Robbie. Eli gains last-minute confidence from Moon and beats Kyler in his match. Sam also wins her match against Piper using combined Miyagi-Do and Eagle Fang skills. Kenny and Robbie, despite being classmates, get pitted against each other, and Kenny gets eliminated with a broken nose. In the semifinals, Miguel and Eli are the first to compete against each other, resulting in a pulled back muscle for Miguel. Which, man, when he went down, I, I was terrified. I thought he was going to be out for good. I thought it was going to be permanent like Miguel in a wheelchair. Yeah, especially with the what since they that's how season or not sorry, not that's how episode nine ended. Mm -hmm. I mean the whole time, I mean most of us were thinking he probably shouldn't be competing. And and the show did a good job of of portraying the fact that he wasn't back to his old self by any means, which was the right thing to do because you're not going to come back that quick from an injury like that. Um, so yeah, you're definitely thinking, oh crap, that, that's not good at all. Which, you know, leads him to getting cleared after that to fight. And, you know, I think he makes the right decision and doesn't. Um, and, you know, then we see Anthony apologize to Kenny, but Kenny, you know, just 
beats the crap out of him until he's stopped by Robbie, who is disturbed by all of this. Sam and Tori each advance to the competition to become the last women standing. And so, you know, with Miguel disappearing, uh, that automatically advances Eli to the final round, which he's going to be fighting against Robbie. Daniel encourages Eli to use Cobra Kai moves against Robbie. Adding Inglefang techniques, Eli wins the boys' tournament. After realizing the benefits of their styles, Daniel proposes that he and Johnny create their own combined style of karate called Miyagi Fang. The two then encourage Sam to combine the two styles herself. Terry encourages Tori to fight dirty, but Kreese intervenes. Tori wins the match, allowing Cobra Kai to win the tournament overall, and Terry announces his plans to start franchising Cobra Kai. After the match, Tori catches Terry bribing the referee. Robbie breaks down about his failure to mentor Kenny to Johnny and the two reconcile. Kreese gets arrested for Stingray's attack after Terry frames him. Miguel heads to Mexico in search for his biological father, and Daniel enlists Chosen's help to defeat Cobra Kai once and for all. Wow, there was a lot to unpack there in those last couple of episodes. Just yeah, hearing that read back, I'm like, man, so much happened in a very short period of time. Right, and it's like you said, like just touching back on how short the episodes are, like just how much... Even just the the last episode, what what all was packed into that small thirty minutes? Basically, everything from finding out that Miguel is you know not paralyzed to the last fights to everything all happening in this last episode. They did a great job. And is that a sign that Cobra Kai has officially arrived when you get Carrie Underwood as a guest appearance there in episode <laughs> nine? Well, I'm pretty sure. Uh, he was her husband's. Den- he's her husband's dentist. One of the guys on the board. Oh, is that how how she got on there? Yeah, because it, it's funny because you know all the other board members were just giving him a hard time, saying <laughs> he needs to be replaced and all yeah. that. And then their tune quickly changes when they see Carrie Underwood come out and they suddenly start complimenting <laughs> him. It's like, oh, we knew you you could come through all along and stuff like that. So it's pretty funny. Oh, that was great. All right, so a lot to discuss here and a lot to unpack. So let's discuss Daniel and Johnny's very complicated back and forth tense relationship. We see it play out quite a bit here in season three yeah um we talked about it a little bit earlier but you know we see them both struggle with learning from each other and being stuck in their ways and refusing to you know move forward and both of them struggle with this the whole season and you know we finally they finally come together at the end for you know what they've been trying to work you know together for this whole time and they learn you know ultimately that that it is the right way that you know, sometimes you, it's never bad to have too much knowledge. I think this season, more than any other season, we've seen them able to bridge the gap between them more permanently than any other season. It was definitely started before the season, but I think whether or not they were forced to, you know, just by circumstances with, uh, you know, Silver coming back or not, they, they've kind of, they've done, they've taken much bigger strides in coming together and respecting each other this season more than any other season. Yeah. I mean, I think just because of the history and just how different they are, different backgrounds and they're in different phases of life. Now there's always going to be that tension between them. Uh, So I think we're going to always see it kind of go back and forth, but I really like what they did with their characters in a relationship this season, especially where 
they each took a day to train with the other one in their style of karate. Yeah. Uh, now it was, I mean, obviously it was very comical, but it just, I like the way it unfolded and how you continue to see them learn from each other and then realize that maybe they're not as different as they think they are. And that, that even at their age and with their strained history and relationship, they can still learn a lot from each other. Right. So I really liked the way that played out. And, and obviously just heading into season five, we know that they're going to have to continue to figure that out and to work together because the only way they're going to defeat Cobra Kai is, is by working together is, is to find that unity and that strength within both of them to, to make it happen. Yeah. So now that it's official as season four played out, what, what what do you think about them bringing Terry Silver's character back? I think he's a very interesting uh, villain. He's very psychotic and he's more, it's the second time I've used this. You can kind of see what, what I find interesting, but he's definitely a more chaotic type of evil. You never know what's what kind of scheme he's going to pull and nobody's safe. It's just like his ultimate goal is evil. And he doesn't even have loyalty as we find, you know, with him, you know, even as much as he looks up to crease, he sees or perceives crease as being weak and immediately frames him to, you know, get his pursuit of, you know, taking over the dojos, you know, like we touched on how silly of an idea that is, but of him, you know, starting this legion of Cobra Kai, um, in the way that he thinks it should be ran. I think it's both terrifying and it's really nice kind of watching Kreese kind of get a taste of his own medicine because he's, you know, he's the one that brought Silver back into this world. Silver was doing just fine, you know, being a multimillionaire, you know, you know, model wife and, you know, eating fresh fruit, you know, in an infinity pool, you know, he, he had it made and he was doing just fine. Uh, and so that was kind of gratifying seeing seeing crease kind of has his come up it's through that uh it was basically his own undoing yeah it's definitely great and the writers have done a great job especially i have to figure that most people that are watching cobra kai either had already watched the movies or maybe they went back and watched the movies if not i mean it still works but um we've talked about this um a little bit when we were talking about you know were they reaching too hard for nostalgia uh, and that kind of stuff, but th- they pull all these characters back, not only as a fan service, but it, it plays into the story well. So it's, it's not done in a way where it's just like, hey, we're just throwing this character in there just because they came from the original movie, so we got to find a, a place for them. They fit the story really well. And with Terry Silver being like the ultimate bad guy from Karate Kid 3 to join back with Crease, and like you said, he's a different type of evil, whereas... Crease is more of the physical brutality evil mm-hmm. uh, with, with a lot of manipulation mixed in. Terry Silver is, is like, he's like the evil genius right. um, and he's got money to back it up. So he, he's dangerous from so many levels. But yeah, his character was all over the place, which was good in a way because, I mean, I was completely shocked by the way some of the events unfolded with his character because for much of the season, you still see Crease as the dominant figure. Because Crease right. is always able to hold the fact that he's the one that saved Silver's life um, during war. That's always held over his head. And it's almost like Silver always cowers to that fact. Mm-hmm. So you, you always view Silver as the weaker um, 
player in, in, in that scheme. But as we realized by the end of the season, he was just playing that figure. He wasn't the weaker figure. He was playing that role all as a setup for the entire well, time. Well, I'm not so sure that it was a setup. I think I think he the moment that he changed from from what I I could tell by his character was when he was beating up Johnny and doing it for Crease and Crease had him stop. I think that was the moment that he switched and he lost whatever fear that silver or that um sorry that crease had put into silver i think was lost in that moment and i think that he saw himself as a stronger person than he saw crease and i think that was the moment it all switched for him i don't think i think up until that moment i think that was how he viewed himself i don't think that i don't think he was playing a game i don't think that he um was playing the angle i think it wouldn't have been such a hard sell for him to go back into it you can even kind of tell that even though crease is this you know stocky little strong brute force silver definitely has is a strong and seems to be like way more agile so i think i think if he if he honestly had that mentality, I don't think he would have even had to play the angle that he that he did. Um, I think he could have I think he could have just taken it over from the beginning and not even had to have gone through the whole thing of framing crease and et cetera, et cetera. Um, I mean, would he have done something similar? Yeah, but I don't think he would have waited so long. I think that I think he saw himself increase in it together until that moment and once he once once crease told you know told terry to stop with johnny he saw that as a weakness and that's when he in his mind had to get rid of crease because he saw crease as a weakness so yeah now it makes me wonder because you remember the scene where silver is dealing with the cobra kai students he's given his his message for the day mm -hmm. and he's talking about everybody has a weakness and he even referred to that that Crease had a weakness, mm -hmm. and that didn't sit well with Crease. And and he kind of chastised Silver later on about that, saying, "You know, you told him I had a weakness." If I'm not mistaken, that took place before the setup with Johnny at the old Cobra Kai location. Yeah, um, I wonder if that was a test because. Silver thought all along that Johnny was Crease's weakness. Right. So now I'm thinking that that was all a setup for him to, I think, test his own theory. So we're, we're introduced to a, another new character in season four, Mr. Kenny, kind of a small dude. What'd you think about his character? Uh, I really liked his character. It's really interesting to me to always see like weak characters that get bullied turn into, you know, a bully. And he's basically, you know, at this point, he's following in the footsteps of Eli or Hawk, you know. So it's really interesting to see where his character goes and see if he becomes, you know, more of an Eli character or if he becomes the opposite of, you know, Robbie, you know, because Robbie's been mentoring him. Like, is is he going to become like a, a Robbie rival now that Robbie is, you know, reconciled with his dad? I think there's a lot of potential for the character. They set him up with with Anthony as to be like his kind of, you know, 
opposite this season, but I think they're preparing him to be something bigger, especially with him fighting Robbie in the tournament and Robbie breaking his nose. I definitely see something, just getting into predictions a little bit, I see his character being a, a bigger impact later on, and I'm not sure where it'll be, but it's definitely coming for sure. In some way, he's going to be a, a bigger impact on one or more of the characters in the future, for sure. Yeah, I really like his character, too. I think one thing that I, I'm getting a little worried about is if they're just re- repeating the same formula too much. Because mm-hmm. a kid's introduced, and they're a good kid. They always have good intentions. They get bullied. So naturally, they're, they're looking for confidence. They're looking for strength. They're looking for a way to defend themselves. And then through that process, they get everything they went after, but then they ultimately turn into the bully. Yeah. Uh, we've seen that formula played out a couple of times, and, and Kenny seems to be following that that same formula. So I hope they're careful that, you know, Kenny's character just lacks depth or lacks anything that we haven't already seen through either uh, Miguel or Robbie or uh, Hawk, Eli, uh, Tori, you know, really any of them because they've, they've all kind of somewhat followed the same. But at the same time, like you said, I got to imagine they've got a big role and purpose for them. Uh, I mean, first of all, somebody's got to step up and be, I guess, the main Cobra Kai, like, male force. Yeah, and I mean, because, it could, it's been kind of, kind of hinted at that maybe Kyler could take that position, but I just don't think Kyler's an interesting enough character to fill that role. Using Kenny a lot more as as somebody that would go, like, further on down the road and be, and be a bigger bad, um, which we really, I mean, we've seen, you know, go back and forth, but I think maybe maybe Kenny's the one we don't see come back from that. You know, we've seen everybody else come back from that, but I'm thinking maybe Kenny's the one we don't go down a path of, you know, ending up in the same situation his brother's in, you know, and just being like just a bad guy, you know, like, because I mean, we saw when we saw Kenny's brother, you know, interacting with Robbie, he was just right off the bat for no reason, just a jerk to Robbie. I think it could possibly, you know, see him turn into that character. Yeah, Uh, I'm excited to see what they do with him. Uh, like mm-hmm. I said, I do think he's interesting. And you do get the impression that his home life is good. He, he seems to have yeah. a good relationship with his parents. I think his dad's in the service. And it's, I think it's deployed overseas. Um, yeah. and, and even his brother being in juvie, Kenny tells a story where it's basically the way it played out is his brother sacrificed himself for him. Yeah. Um, and, and that's the reason he's in juvie. So it's even done as like a noble or, or honorable thing. So, yeah, I mean, but I mean, when you think about it, Cobra Kai's last three male leaders, Miguel, Robbie and Hulk, they're, they're not in Cobra Kai anymore. So I think right. they, they had to introduce somebody that's going to fill that role. It'll be interesting to see if it is him. Like I said, Kyler, I have a hard time picturing him being he, he just comes across more as just a meathead um yeah I, I don't see him being the now i think he'll still be used obviously mm-hmm. i mean he, he plays the bully role very well uh so yeah i'm i'm anxious to see what they do with kitty's character and um as we see in season four his character crosses quite a bit with mr anthony larusso yes who's kind of been absent quite a bit since season one just he's the younger brother sam um, youngest child of uh, Daniel and Amanda. Yeah, and the the actor that played him, I didn't even know he it was the same kid. Yeah, so he had just a major a major physical change in between, you know, the last time we saw him and then the beginning of season four. 
Oh yeah, I mean, and I, I think as far as his real life age, he went from thirteen to seventeen. So yeah, that'll that, do it. That is the range. But I was the same way. I, I I thought it was a different actor, and I looked it up. It's like no, it's the same kid. I mean, he obviously got taller. He 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 thinned out. Mm-hmm. He you know looks a lot more fit. Um, and it's so funny because they played that into the show when Johnny is over. Yeah, and and Anthony walks in and Johnny's like, "Who the hell are you?" <laughs> it's like Johnny didn't recognize him either. Right. So how do you like old Anthony? I mean, he is probably my least favorite character on the show. I think he is the least interesting, definitely the least sympathetic out of all the characters. He has shown very minimal growth, and I don't think he's ever really challenged himself ever, or even, I mean, I don't think it's necessarily the character's fault. And I don't think, you know, I don't I don't blame Anthony, the character, for who he is, because, I mean, his the baby of a rich family his dad was already kind of out of the karate so he didn't really because like me mr miyagi died whenever anthony was a baby so he didn't really get the whole connection to you know karate like like sam did so it's not really his fault but as far as the show goes i don't think there's very much that he can do as far as what makes sense for his character I don't think he's learned enough about karate to go in one season and then be the ultimate champion, you know, at of the All Valley Tournament or anything like that. I think that would just be totally unrealistic from, you know, his work ethic that we've seen so far. He's probably the character this season that I don't really understand why we spent so much time on. And maybe maybe it will make more sense in the future and maybe uh, we can see where he goes from here, but just from what I've seen this season and how much time we spent, I wasn't really, I didn't think it was a big payoff for the character seeing, you know, from his beginning point to the end of where we see him, you know, going from a bully to basically a kid that's like, just like, yeah, I just don't have the same connection to karate that you guys do. And that's basically like his story arc, you know, and like he doesn't, I mean, he learns that bullying is bad, you know, a little bit. It's like it's, it's, he doesn't, he doesn't really learn too much. He learns humiliation, which I mean, like it's, I mean, a lot of the things that we're supposed to are not, I don't even know that they're, they're wanting us to feel sympathy for, but a lot of the situations that we would feel sympathy for with other characters, you know, whether like him getting his, his ass kicked or him getting, you know, his friends abandoning him. All of these things are things that he brought on himself. You know, like he lied to his friends and told his friends that he knows all this karate and then, you know, turns around and, you know, doesn't, you know, he gets like, gets his ass kicked in front of his friends, which, you know, I mean, it's a part of, you know, childhood. I mean, everybody lies, you know, people lie when you're a kid, you know, it's going to happen especially when you're trying to act, you know, bigger and better in front of your friends when you're, you know, 13 or 14. Uh, but, you know, it, it does like it, it, that's a part of it, though. It comes back to bite you in the ass. So you don't really feel too much sympathy for him in that situation. And then whether or not he he knew it was wrong doing it, he still bullied Kenny and, you know, made fun of Kenny for things that, you know, even he liked, you know, like his video games and you know, the cosplaying and all of that. These were things that Anthony enjoys. And, 
he bullied a kid for, and then, you know, he got his comeuppance. So, I mean, as far as using him for that character, I really, I saw that. And that was really, that was really enjoyable, even though I didn't really, it didn't have to be Anthony that was the bully of Kenny. It was nice seeing how, how they integrated that. But I do think that his arc toward the end of it was not really didn't really pay off for how much we saw him as a character he basically barely learned a lesson (laughs) and he was mainly there you know to serve as kenny's motivation and to give more conflict between cobra kai and miyagi fang yeah he's definitely the classic I'm sorry I got caught, not sorry for what I did. Yeah. And I, I'm going to take a different approach. I, I, I'm going to give Anthony a lot of love. I really am. Because, you know, me and you both went back and we rewatched seasons one through four as we knew season five was coming out. Mm-hmm. And actually, the very fact that we went back and rewatched it is the whole reason this podcast got started anyway. Um, because as we were rewatching it, we were just having all these discussions and we kind of joked about how there can't be two other people on this planet that have spent more time talking about <laughs> Anthony LaRusso oh my gosh. than me and you have. And that's mostly my fault. Uh, I mean, you know, you're, you're honest, not a big fan. Um, no. I wouldn't say I'm a huge fan of him, but I am super, super, super excited to see where his character goes. Because if you think about it in the grand scheme of things, who is a bigger underdog than Anthony LaRusso? Oh God. I mean, if if they use his character to do something grand, totally unexpected. I mean, but he doesn't like, deserve it. <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't deserve it. Out of he, all he, the doesn't, he doesn't deserve it yet. N- nobody was deserving early on. Okay. Um, okay. And- if he sa- if he saves Amanda from a burning vehicle in season five, that's that that he can do something with that. <laughs> Outside of that. That's only because you're. That's only because you're in love with Amanda. That that doesn't count. <laughs> that that does count. That, that absolutely counts. Because apparently, apparently, we're only trying to change my opinion right now. So. <laughs> but, but, but no, seriously. I mean, when I look at Anthony, I, I see somebody who, and when we talked about this before, how some characters you can cut on some slack because of they, they've been dealt a rough hand in life, whether it's like a Tory or or Hawk, uh, even Dimitri. Robbie, uh, Miguel, uh, like Sam's one of the few characters we don't cut much slack because we feel like she's been dealt a great hand in life. You know, mm-hmm. the the great family, the great home, uh, money uh, brought up in karate. So she's always been able to defend herself. So we, we don't sympathize as much with her, but yet she still kind of have, has come around into her own. And I feel like Anthony's characters is even in more of a disadvantage because we're obviously not going to cut him in a slack, but him being the baby in the family, he didn't have that Mr. Miyagi connection. He karate doesn't have any value in his life yet. And of course he's going through the same struggle that, that Sam did as far as, all right, where do I fit in with school as far as trying to be popular? And, and obviously I think the pressure is a little bit more for guys as far as going through the bullying process. Sam was in it a little bit, but it, she didn't have to really do any of the bullying. It just, she wasn't standing up to her for her, for her friend that was being bullied. So that's kind of where she fell. Whereas Anthony's actually doing the bullying, but that's just part of him trying to figure out where does he fit in? He, he, he feels left out of his own family. 
because uh, there's just a, a strong disconnect there. But yes, there, there are a lot of annoying things about his character. I mean, we've talked about this um, outside of the podcast where as far as the Miyagi-Do style of training, it, it rubs a lot of people wrong. They either complain about doing the wax on, wax off and all the work or they're just lazy about doing it or some just say, I'm out, I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. And we and we joked, it's like, we can almost respect all of that. But this freaking kid pays somebody to come do the wax on, wax off for right. him. It's just, he takes laziness and disrespect to a whole nother level. But that's what makes me so excited about his character because he's got so far to go, but I'm still convinced he's going to be used in a major major way and we talked about this some outside of the podcast where daniel shared that story with him yes it's where you start to see anthony finally starting to make a small step now granted like you said he's had a lot of air time in season four and he's taken a lot bigger baby steps than most of the characters who, who progressed a bit quicker but we start to see that change in him a little bit and daniel shares that story with him where mr miyagi kind of shared his vision to where he pictured Anthony saving the family in some way, kind of being the savior. And I can't help but think, why put that quote, that story in the show if you didn't have a big purpose for Anthony? So and, I'm thinking and, and, maybe Silver throws a live grenade at the foot of the LaRusso family and Anthony in a moment of recall, rec- recalling his Call of Duty days, he just jumps on the grenade and just saves them all right then. <laughs> and that would be the biggest fan service for Parker Thompson. <laughs> uh, <that> would, <laughs> thumbs up for sure. I, would, I, 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 I will take back everything I ever said about the boy. His, his, his character arc will be complete. I will be like, you know what? Everything falls into place. <laughs> it all makes sense now. But there, I mean, and I, everything, I do, <laughs> the prophecy will be complete. And I know I'm in an extreme minority here, but I'm really excited to see what they do with this character because, you know, we, we saw the build up with Hulk waiting for that transformation where he turns back to his friends and, and, and using his strength for good. We saw it with Miguel. We've seen it with Robbie. Some, I just feel like they're doing the same thing with his character. They're, they're just kind of, they're building up for something and it's going to be completely unexpected because like you said, he hasn't done anything yet to deserve it. He hasn't shown any skills that we know of as far as karate goes, and he just hasn't shown the passion or the willingness to to really accept it. But I think what's really interesting is in his arc's been a little bit similar, is you see him make the first few steps in changing and, and really being sincere, and he reaches out to Kenny with mercy in hand, and it blows up in his face. Right. How will he react to that? Because... That's what a lot of the characters have played out in this entire series is when they finally make that decision. We saw Miguel make that decision and he almost died for it. Now he has come back from that and he is still, you know, taking the right route, but it took him some time. Will this turn Anthony evil? Now, see, like this is where I think that that his character will get interesting for me would be is if he if he did turn evil, because at least drifting to the bad side for at least half of a season would be the best way to go and the most interesting. I think the difficult thing with, with the angle of him, like turning evil or Cobra Kai, however you want to look at it is he's only going into ninth grade and there's no way he can outwardly be 
and Cobra Kai and going down that road and still live in the LaRusso house. Right. So how, how do they handle that? Does he have to do it in secret? And, and is he willing to join the evil side with the same dojo that incorporates Kenny, who he's really got the main issue with? So I have a tough time seeing that angle play out. That's why I'm just excited to see where his character goes, because right now I'm clueless. I don't know what they do with him, but I can't help but think they got something big planned for him. Maybe so. maybe his school starts a pen pal program with uh, prisoners and him and Kreese get matched and Kreese becomes his sensei. I mean, they've also just opened another dojo and then Kreese gets out of jail and he opens the fourth dojo. And, That's it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, so, and, and Anthony can be the leader of that one. Yep. Like a reformed Cobra Kai. There you go. <laughs> and it's just the four quadrants of... of of karate you got right. the 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 most evil in one and the most like benevolent in one corner <laughs> and then the other two just <laughs> in between both i'm gonna give you a break from talking about anthony and we'll we'll kind of shift into a, a person you like a little bit more uh let's talk about hawk his journey we've talked that we've we've loved hawk uh, all through the first three seasons and i love the fact that they take him in season four and continue to to have his character go through some some challenging moments and continue to to force his character to to evolve and 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 handle different scenarios. So what did you think of Hawk throughout season 4? Uh with well with with his story arc in season 4, he's become the most interesting character for me throughout the whole show so far. Um I really enjoyed his transition from, you know, barely saying like four words to being the confident kid to being the bully to being the complete asshole and then turning around and realizing that you know that he is wrong and he should stand up for his friends and then feeling like he's helpless again and reverting back to the you know the old Eli that's just quiet and then finding himself again and finding the new Eli that combines who he really is versus the new you know confidence that he has and watching him be able to to merge those uh those two sides of himself into a fully realized version of himself was really really gratifying to see as a viewer and as a fan of you know just his character in general uh really really like that yeah and i think the the writer saw another opportunity with hawk to teach his character yet another lesson mm-hmm. we see him in season one just you know he, he's the the poster child of the quiet kid that's just is fighting so many demons inside that nobody's aware of and he's struggling with depression probably suicide um, and then we see him transform into this confident kid. It transforms his image, his, his outward appearance, um, he, strength. I mean, he's got everything going for him, but then he doesn't know how to handle all of that at once. And he turns into the bully. And then the, the second inner struggle on, am, am I using this the right way? I'm turning on my friends. Who have I become? And we see him finally transform into using all that for good and a you know, it repairs the friendships that, that he he severed and we just see him on the uptick. And then the writers are like, hey, there's one more lesson you need to learn is don't rely so heavy on your outward image and your transformation there. What has happened on the inside, which is what really counts. And as we see, when they shaved his head, his, his world came crashing down because it's like all his eggs were in that basket. It that that was the image. That was Hulk. And once he lost that, he lost himself. And 
really cool that they used Dimitri to kind of rein him back in some to remind him, yeah. dude, Eli, not Hulk, Eli is an awesome person. Yeah. And I, th- I think it was important for him to see that, that I, I think it's almost like Hulk was like a version of, like outside of himself mm-hmm. that he didn't really see as himself and, and seeing him learn that and, and then the friendship with Dimitri and then him, him trying to gain his confidence back. And of course, as we see, you know, moon plays a big part of that. Heck, I guess we both now know that if, uh, if we lose our confidence, we're having a bad day. We just need to make out with a girl. Yeah. Um, obviously for me, it probably needs to be my wife. <laughs> um, <laughs> Probably would cause a lot of issues if it wasn't. Yeah, it'd um, probably it'd probably make your day a little bit worse. Though, <laughs> yeah, but uh, but yeah, we you know we're always going to be big fans of Hawk, and I really love that the writers didn't give up on him. It's like we're not done with him yet. We we got mm. some other stuff. And what did you think of all the interactions we see between Amanda Larusso and Tori in season four? I mean, these are two two of my two of my other favorite characters. So seeing them interact was very it was not i mean it was very interesting uh especially you know both of them are very headstrong and very smart in their own ways um so to see them interact it's very it was very tense for most of the time but you knew with amanda and tori like that you know it's going to be interesting um you never know how it's going to end you know we see over the course of season four, they both need each other. Amanda needs Tori in the, you know, in the sense of she needs her to, you know, lay off her daughter and, you know, bring some peace into their, their house and their family. You know, by doing that, she learns about Tori and this girl that she's basically hated for the better part of, you know, a season and a half of, of TV. She's come to love and, understand and even support and stand up for on the flip side of that amanda is the the kind of adult that tori needs and tori you know over the course of you know the whole entire season comes to actually trust amanda and comes to rely on her and even comes to her for help and advice uh which is something that we can tell by Tori that she it's just not something that's easy for her character to do. I'm so the way the season ended, I'm I'm really liking the way they built up their relationship because once I think it's setting up the stage when we see Tori, when we see that, you know, the her fight had been fixed, I think that opens up a place for her to go to you know, to talk to somebody about that. I think their relationship is going to be a very important part of what develops in season five. Yeah, I really like what we see here in season four. I feel like Amanda and Tori definitely are carrying the torch of girl power. Um, Absolutely. Several different angles. And and when I think of Amanda, I just I, I think of the word fierce. Mm-hmm. She is fierce in everything she does as a mom, as a wife, as a business owner, uh, as a the, the way she interacts with people, the fact that she's a salesperson and, and a business owner is, is probably the perfect fit. Oh, just because yeah, absolutely. Because she not only does it well in business life, but she does it well in life in general. So, yeah, at first you see that fierceness with her interacting with Tori saying, hey, you need to back off my daughter because she has seen firsthand the impact, the negative impact she's had on Sam and just with the mental health and just the physical and mental trauma. 
and, and she's not afraid to stand up for her family. But then as she understands more backstory to Tori and, and the things she's going through at home, she instantly flips. And it's only because she's older and has the wisdom to back her up. She's able to more quickly flip to, to the more sympathetic side. And now she wants to reach out and help Tori, which when you think about it, the fact that Tori's done so much harm to her very own daughter and yet she's still able to kind of flip that switch to go from like telling Tori to back off to say, Hey, how can I help you? Right. You know, there's, you don't have very many people that are truly in your corner. I mean, of course, Tori thanks Crease and Cobra Kai's in her corner, but in reality, they're just giving her an outlet and basically using her for her strengths. is going to help them progress. So I'm just really loving the way that whole interaction is going and, and and out of that, we've actually kind of seen a little role reversal where now Sam has really turned into the little bratty bully mm-hmm. to where she's doing all these things to Tori unprovoked, doing doing things to her, humiliated her at her, at her job, which and we, we, we hit on this just a little bit earlier, which think about it. She's seven, what, 17 years old. She's not going to forgive that quickly. And, and nope, nobody would with everything she's had to deal with at, at the hands of Tori. So we, we can kind of understand that, but you, you, you've kind of seen the more softer sympathetic side of Tori and then Sam's kind of turned into more of the the bratty bully in season four yeah it's really it's really interesting all the stuff with Sam happens after Amanda confronts uh Tori and tells her to stop so basically Tori's put in a position to where she can't even retaliate which makes it you know interesting for her because you know how she doesn't like to she won't stand for anybody you know giving her shit and then here she is put in a situation where she knows she'll be in worse trouble for retaliating against Sam after, you know, she speak, speak to Amanda. So it makes it even easier for Sam to be a bully in that situation. So we've talked about a lot of these other characters and the last character I was wanting to hit on. Well, we'll, we'll hit on Silver a little bit later as well. But Crease in season four, we, we actually see a couple of moments where maybe we see a, a little bit of a slight softer side. And those two moments would be when it's him, Silver, and Johnny at, at the old dojo location and Silver just beating the mud out of them. And and Crease basically just tells them to to cool it. Just uh, let it be. Stop. Let's just leave them alone, whatever. Yeah. And then, and to me, the, the most shocking moment is at the very end when uh, Terry and Crease are both kind of instructing Tori going into the last point. And of course, Silver is doing the classic Cobra Kai, you know, strategy, use every dirty trick you can do this, this, this as your advantage, blah, blah, blah. And Crease kind of intervenes. It's like, no, just go out and do your fight. And you're like, what? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, like, where did that come from? So, so speak on that a little bit as far as those two moments we see increase. See, like I'm so conflicted because, you know, we start to see maybe decrease, start to learn that, you know, he's been doing wrong this whole time, but I'm I'm not sure if he's actually going to learn a lesson or if he's just going to hold animosity against the people that wronged him and, you know, further go back to striking, you know, instead of, you know, learning from this and moving forward as a person. I don't know if he's going to 
to come back from it. You know, like if, if someone's in an abusive relationship, the person that's getting abused, like the person that's doing the abuse isn't going to let somebody else, you know, come in and abuse their, their partner. They're going to stand up for them. But that doesn't mean that that other person is going to still not going to continue to abuse, you know, their, their person. So I don't think he's ever going to fully redeem himself because I don't think it's possible for him to actually learn what he's done wrong and see his ways. I think. Yeah, I I think with him, for sure, when you start to consider the good in him or the positive in him, there's definitely red lights going off that screen proceed with caution. Mm -hmm. Because it's really hard to trust. And we hit on this some last uh, podcast where we asked the question, was there any sincerity in him trying to make amends with Johnny? And we both agreed at that time that it seemed like no because of what transpired immediately afterwards. But now that we know what happens here, it brings that into question a little bit. And to me right now, the answer is there might be a little sincerity there, but there's so much evil overshadowing it that he doesn't even know how to really uncover it um, because there's just there's too much damage done. So it's really... I hope the writers are careful in dealing with this because he's definitely the character that they've built up up to this point that you got to do a lot of convincing if, if, if he changes in an extreme manner as well. Like you can't just say crease goes in and says, you know what? Uh, uh, I've come to my senses of what I did with Johnny. And I didn't want to make the same mistake with Tori. Cause I, I kind of view her as a, as a daughter in a way no, you, you're going to have to do a lot of convincing for me personally mm-hmm. uh, or, or spend a lot more time with it. Or, or maybe the way it plays out, it's that's not really what's happening. And, and he's just you've got two different evil characters <laughs> right. with, with him and Silver. And the battle is mostly between them two, not really one of them. Maybe one of them is the lesser of two evils, but neither one of them is really good. Yeah, especially somebody that important. I think it would be irresponsible for them just throw him in and be like, "Oh, Crease is good now." He had a you know, yeah, a couple of moments where he he realized that he was naughty. So let's discuss how the All Valley Tournament played out to end season four. First off, I'm I'm really glad they uh, that they split up the girls and the guys. Mm-hmm. That's that's a that's a tough area. Uh, we saw it in season one where, you know, obviously the, the girls fought the boys. Now they only really keyed in on, I guess Aisha was really the only girl fighter, right? That they really keyed in on. Yeah, pretty much. Cause Sam wasn't, she didn't, she wasn't fighting in, in season one yet. I know it's a hot topic, so I'm trying to be careful how I tread here because you're starting to see it in high school wrestling quite a bit where where mm. girls are competing in in the boys division and you've had a number of boys that have just forfeited their match and a lot of times they take a lot of heat because it's implied that oh you don't respect girls because you think you're better than them and you're you're they're not on the same level as you i don't necessarily look at it that way which i can't speak for those boys i i think it's more of a matter of respect because of especially all the issues we're seeing over the years with domestic abuse, uh, sexual abuse, uh, particularly women being abused by women. I'm sorry, women being abused by men. And I really have a tough time watching in in any fashion, whether it's part of an organized sport or, or whatever, uh, a guy laying hands on a girl. Um, and- I think, I mean, I think, I think 
when it comes to organized sports, any participant has the option to be there. And so they're not necessarily putting themselves in a situation that's comparable to domestic violence. Because especially like in the, with, you know, let's take it, let's take wrestling into, for example, since, since that, that's the, an example being used, you know, you're split into weight divisions. So it's not like, it's not like you're going to be putting some six foot, you know, 250 pound guy up against, you know, a six, a five foot six, you know, 120 pound, you know, female. Um, so I, I think, I think part of the equality of it all is that it's, it's fair game, especially, you know, if we're talking about contact sports such as, you know, wrestling or karate or football or anything that would be considered like a violent sport, I think that it's I think it's fair game you know like you you want to be there you know it's not it's not like I think if someone's getting pleasure out of you know like that instance I think that's where just as harmful to not fight somebody in that situation because they're a girl as it is to enjoy beating the crap out of them in that instance because they're a girl if that makes sense. Yeah, but also too, we have to realize that all, all these these sports we're talking about, they do have men and women split up. Yes. They, they don't compete in against each other or in, in the same, you know, division or or regardless of weight class. You you don't see men and women compete directly against each other. So I'm kind of curious if the writers, if they knew that's where it had to go all along. Or was there some feedback from season one with Aisha's character saying, hey, that 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 didn't play too well, that she's getting hit by guys, um, even though it's in a karate match. I might have to look that up to see if if, if I mean if they were OK with the way that played out in season one. But they just knew since they were going to introduce more girl fighters, that it would just make sense um, yeah. to, to split it up on the show. Where you've got a girls' division and, and a boys' division. I mean, I'm definitely glad they did it for just multiple reasons. I mean, although I guess in a sick way, you kind of like, you know, I would have liked to see Tori fight Miguel in the All Valley yeah. tournament, or uh, and, and of course, you know, they, they've had their matches outside of the All Valley tournament, or even when they were on the same dojo and practicing. So you've got to see a little competition between um, guys and girls, but it's. it's I'm, I'm glad they definitely went that direction. I, I think it was needed and necessary, but we'll kind of skip to the boys real quick just because of the girls ultimately decide the final champion. But how did you like the way that the boy side played out in the, in the tournament? Um, I mean, I liked it. I liked, uh, I love seeing Eli, you know, be able to overcome all of his and, you know, be the champion. It was really nice to see him, you know, finally, you know, win it with, his values you know intact and he wasn't the champion of the first one we saw but you know he played a big part in in helping them get to it and he used those tactics in a way that you know maybe he couldn't be proud of uh in the long run but this time you know he can he can walk away with his head held high and everybody that's involved in the good side of the show has you know nothing 
but pride for him and are happy for him and are, you know us as viewers enjoy him winning and have you know his redemption because it's it's well earned for for that character and seeing you know seeing miguel you know have his his whole thing play out and the way robbie's you know having played out with kenny there was a lot of drama there was a lot of drama on the boys side this uh this all valley yeah i, I love seeing hawk uh win of course you know we're we're huge fans of hawk so it was really nice to see him win. Of course, going into it, you pretty much knew it was probably either going to be him or Robbie. Although we're probably still a little surprised that Hawk was the winner. Probably wouldn't have made sense for Miguel to go in thinking that he was going to win just because, you know, he's, he's coming still too soon off of his his injuries um, from season two. And I really can't think of another guy that was would have been a legitimate contender as far as the way the show was built up. Uh, but you think about Robbie. I mean, that's now he's now the runner-up in both tournaments uh, with with two different dojos. Although I guess technically the first one he wasn't affiliated with any dojo, even though I mean, he was more or less Miyagi Do with Daniel in his corner. But so he's finished second both times, which is kind of funny because his dad—that's how his life is remembered now is for finishing <laughs> second. Yeah. But both times he was pretty much portrayed as the better fighter. Right. Um, even though he probably wasn't the better fighter in season one, but he went into it injured. So it's almost portrayed that he held his own being injured. And had he not been injured, you know, it's kind of played out the good chance he would have won. And in the second one against uh, Hawk, he has that moment where he pauses and kind of showing mercy. He's, he's, he just, but he pauses long enough to where he, he didn't finish and win the fight. And that gave Hawk the opportunity. So uh, poor Robbie, like he said, just like his dad, has finished second twice now, and but probably still the better fighter, um, all things considered. But yeah, I think it played out well. Um, we got, you know, we, we got to see Dimitri do really well. I think he made it to what the quarters. Yeah, he finals. He won, he won one or two fights. But you know, he I mean he lost to Robbie, so I mean he lost to the best fighter there. So yeah. it's nice to see him progress and do well. But but yeah, as far as the boys, love the fact that Hawk won, and be interested to see where um, they go with all the the guy characters. So let's jump over to the girls. No big surprise as far as who made it to the finals. I mean, if it's not Tori versus sam in the finals it's like why did you even have the girls tournament to begin with Mm -hmm. Uh, but they got a few other strong players who made it far obviously but um ultimately we knew it was going to come down to tori and sam so what did you think about that pairing i mean it was great it was really it was really nice watching both sides of that fight you know watching watching tori have her you know her moral reckoning where she's starting to question some of crease and silver's training on you know being mercy and fighting dirty and she's kind of kind of fighting against that after you know becoming friends with amanda she's you know humanized sam a lot where you know and then sam on the other side you see that she's struggling to to get points against sam and she's also struggling to respect you know her her father which is also her sensei's wishes on how to fight while also you know trying to stand up for herself and her ultimately being able to Daniel and Johnny all in this moment you know learning that you know fighting with all of their styles together it's the moment where Daniel starts to to realize that Sam is her own person 
And uh, I think it's really important for Sam in that moment, even though she winds up losing the fight, she needed that moment as a, not even the, the growth, but just the moment between her and Daniel was a big growth for Daniel in that moment. Yeah, I mean, we, we've seen that be a challenge and struggle with Sam play throughout, especially in season four, where she's just looking to, I mean, she's getting that age where, you know, she's, she's going to be graduating high school and she needs to involve into her, her own person and not be in the shadow of her dad. Um, so it was very cool to see that moment where she finally gets approval from her dad to Sam, be you. Don't be Miyagi-Do. Mm -hmm. Don't be Eagle Fang. Don't be this, be that. Go out and do Sam karate. And when she got that approval, she lit up. Yeah. And, you know, she, and of course she saw it. She hugged her dad and it's like, it all came together, not only for her, but also for Johnny and Daniel, when they saw the impact of that moment, it's like a light bulb went off with them. It's like, you know what? It's, it's not about your style, my style. It's about taking all these things together and, and working it into your own style, not only in fighting, but in life as well. It's not about right. just taking advice from one single person and just basically emulating or copying somebody. It's about pulling things from all the different positive forces out there and creating your own person through that. Yeah. So I thought that was really cool. Um, we saw some cool stuff with Tori as well. That little moment we, we mentioned earlier with Crease and him basically going against Silver. It doesn't need to be dirty. You, you just go out and do you. Um, mm -hmm. So it was, it was definitely all about, you know, self-identification um, throughout season four and, and the way the tournament ended. And probably as far as the girls, um, it was kind of just thrown in there real quick. But with, with, with all the intensity between Tori and Sam, right after Tori wins, what was the first thing she did? She checks on Sam. Oh, yeah, you're right. She checked to see if Sam was okay. Yeah, she walked over. It, yeah. it wasn't to celebrate. It wasn't to show off or or like you know stick it to sam mm -hmm. her first reaction was to check on sam so we're, we're seeing her character grow tremendously yeah and and she's another one i can't wait to see what they do with her character i think most viewers as far as the ones that are nice and not evil they're hoping that sam and tori reconcile and become a force yeah. Um, and team up with one. Another. I know that's what I would love to see it, but hopefully Sam saw that and, and maybe helped Sam heal a little bit from all the, the hate and the harm and the destruction she has with her relationship with Tori. Maybe she'll get a little bit out of that and say, you know what, maybe there's something there with Tori. Yeah. All right. So another scene there at the end I wanted to talk about um, we'll talk about two more scenes the way they finished it up because it didn't end with a tournament and there was quite a few important things that happened afterwards discuss the scene where Robbie goes back to the Cobra the old Cobra Kai dojo and finds his dad um, I mean it's really nice to see them reconcile and just kind of to see Robbie you know kind of realize that that his experience mentoring Kenny gave him a lot of insight onto how his father and his relationship has been and what his father has, you know, trying to do and, and where his father has come from uh, or how far his father has come since the beginning of the show. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a very sensitive, emotional guy. I, I really get drawn in 
to stuff like that, especially when relationships are involved. And to me, by far, that was the most touching moment we've seen in Cobra Kai yet. Yeah. And, and for me, there's, there's not even anything that's close second place. I don't know exactly why, but I mean, I think ultimately we're, we're all rooting for, for Robbie and Johnny's relationship to be healed um, and, and, and for them to get back and, and, and being a, a strong father son relationship there, but seeing that moment play out and Robbie being emotional and crying and, and you, you just know Johnny's got to be, I mean, obviously he's heartbroken for his son, but at the same time, he's got to be beaming because he's been going after this quite a while, yeah. but his rivalry with Daniel and just some other stuff has, has always just gotten in the way. Uh, he, he's gotten in his own way. And then in that moment, you got to figure he's like, Oh wow, this is finally happening possibly. Yeah. I'm um, sure it was very bittersweet in that moment. Yeah. So that I love that scene. It like, so just extremely touching and, and just to see Robbie's character evolve. I mean, he's going through a ton just in these four seasons and and just seeing it kind of come to fruition there at the end um really happy for his character can't wait to see where he goes from here um so the last thing we'll talk about is uh definitely a surprise ending for me silver and crease are, are hanging out and we see the cops come for crease because uh, up to this point i i definitely didn't see it coming i just i almost had forgotten about what silver did to stingray yeah uh didn't think anything of it other i mean obviously silver was intoxicated at the time so um i mean crease didn't like stingray either so i didn't think anything of it when he just beat the mud out of him it was another one of those where it's like oh my gosh that's a little much it's a little yeah, extreme one of the darkest parts of the series it was like my goodness but the fact that i think that just shows where maybe silver is is quick on his feet I don't think that was part of his plan because, like I said, he was intoxicated at the time. So I think he just reacted in the moment. And then I, I guess somehow just, I don't know, that that's tough for me. I, I mean, I think, I think, I don't think he had the plan. I don't think there was any way that he could have came up with a plan beforehand. Yeah. Uh, but I do think he, I think he saw the opportunity when he said, do you want to know how you can help Cobra Kai? And then he just proceeds to, yeah, you know, beat the snot out of him. I think he did have an idea of what he was going to do with it. I don't think just the beating of it or him beating him. I think he definitely had the plan going into it on coaching, you know, him on what to say and who and who to say, you know, did it all that. Yeah, I think he's just I think he's like you said, he's just quick on his feet. And I think it just came to him at that moment. And he saw an opportunity. Yeah, definitely. I don't know about you, but it was definitely one of those moments where it's like, whole I my mean, like my mouth dropped to the floor like i did not see that coming at mm -hmm. all i did not i said i even forgot about the whole stingray thing by that point and just the way the writers did that you're like holy cow this silver guy he's he is for real i mean he is really in it and to take out crease like that he's definitely exercising some demons there so just i mean season four just the way it ended i mean so much happened um we've talked about this some before maybe not on the podcast but this is one of those shows where i mean we're here at season four and i most shows you know season four is not going to be as good as season one right but i would say it's as good as season one if not better 
I mean, yeah. this, this show has not lit up at all. It's just, it, it's, it started off great and it's just somehow kept that momentum going to where you're just excited for the next season. You know, like some shows you're just like, yeah, it's good, but man, it, it's nothing like it was at the beginning but man this show keeps going strong and it's been a fun ride for sure thank you so much for listening please remember to rate review and subscribe that really does help these dudes out if you have a thought or idea about what we're watching please email us at streaming with two dudes at gmail.com this and links to our patreon and other socials are in the show notes thanks again and remember to stay hydrated